0: Dave uh, just shared with us, <clears throat> Dave Roth, uh, during the Lord's Supper, some thoughts that uh, coincide with what I w- want to share with you as well this morning. You know, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend, and uh, it's a time when we pay tribute to and honor uh, those who have given their lives in service to this country. Back in the 1800s, after the Civil War, uh, as Dave mentioned, this day didn't used to be called Memorial Day. It was called Decoration Day. And it was a day in which they would uh, go to the graves and decorate, uh, put flowers and various arrangements uh, to honor and to remember those who gave their life. And through the years, that uh, has evolved to a different name. We call it Memorial Day now. And here's here's one thing, though, that I want to impress upon you. And make a spiritual application from tomorrow's Memorial Day. I wonder how many people will go about their business tomorrow and never give thought to the fallen soldiers, those who have given their lives in service uh, to their country. Um, they may think of Memorial Day as a holiday. They may think of it as a day when I don't have to go to work we don 't have school. They may think of it as a day when um, we 're going to grill out, have friends over it 's a good time it 's a, it's a fun holiday. Uh, the weather's usually good, and, and it 's just a, a good time to, to spend together and it 's easy to lose what it 's really about this, this day that is coming up tomorrow is really about honoring those who gave their life for the country. But sometimes we can forget all about that and pursue other agendas. And if that's true with something that is just less than um, 150 years old, how much truer might it be for a memorial that is 2,000 years old? You see, Jesus instituted a memorial before he left this world. And he said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And and so that memorial was set up, and it's to be done until he comes again. And he hasn't come back yet, so we're still doing that same thing that he asked us to do. But how, I wonder how often we forget, why are we doing this? I almost saw if I could switch up the way we did the services this morning, and it was too much of a, probably a hassle to try to get it all worked out and lined up with the sound room and everything, but <clears throat> I would have liked to have preached prior to the Lord's Supper this morning, so some of the things that we had to say uh, would be fresh on our mind as we take of uh, the Lord's Supper, but... Um, Nonetheless, these thoughts uh, should uh, serve us as we go forward and and partake of the Lord's Supper. I find it interesting that, you know, just roughly, you know, rounding off things, there have been about 105,000 Sundays since the death of Jesus. That's a lot of Sundays. And it... It is amazing to me to contemplate that for the last 2,000 years, 105,000 Sundays or so, there have been children of God just like us, meeting together every first day of the week, and communing, partaking of this memorial to remember Jesus. And I just want to make sure that it is that which we do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, they had abused the Lord's Supper. The church was coming together and they were partaking of what was the Lord's Supper. But Paul said, you know what? It's not even the Lord's Supper that you're doing. They had so perverted it that it ceased being the Lord's Supper. It it ceased being this memorial that Jesus asked them to remember. And it became something totally different. And I don't want that. Of course it can still happen today, and I don't want it to happen today. When we take the Lord's Supper, I don't want it to be just that quiet time where I'm patient and I take a sip and I take a piece of bread and, and uh, you know, wait till it's over with and then we get to the sermon. That, it has to be more than that. But it can very easily degenerate in, into that. And so what I want us to do this morning is answer this question, how... Can I partake of the Lord's Supper in a way that is meaningful and I don't lose its purpose and its intent? How can I, how can I do this so that I'm not just going through the motions? What is it that I can think? And oftentimes I hear people ask me this question. What is it that I can think that will help me to keep focused? A lot of new Christians, a lot of people that have never, you know, they obey the gospel and, and, uh, you know, w- what are they supposed to do? They see people doing this thing where they take a piece of bread and they, they take the cup and they see that and they go through the motions of that. But maybe they haven't been instructed about the Lord's Supper. Maybe, maybe they just know that it's something, you know, generally about Jesus and His death, burial, and resurrection, but, but they don't really have a whole lot of instruction on it. So they've learned that Jesus is their Savior and that they want Him to be their Savior and Lord, and, and they're that far in, but they don't know a whole lot about the Lord's Supper. So they'll come and say things like, what am I supposed to think about? What am I supposed to do when, when you know, I take it and then it passes to the rest of the assembly? And during that time, what, what am I supposed to be thinking? Do you have any tips? Do you have anything that I can think about to help keep my mind focused? Well, that's what I want to share with you this morning. Nothing... Uh, you know, groundbreaking or not, nothing just revolutionary, but just some fundamental things that may help us to remember. Well, first of all, let's just talk about what this memorial is. It's, it's, we call it the Lord's Supper. And it's a remembrance of the death of Jesus. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. <clears throat> We could go to the gospel accounts, but uh, there are several things here in this passage uh, that we'll look at. Um, Paul, when he was correcting the Corinthians, they had misused the Lord's Supper. They weren't doing it as they should. Um, Paul says, listen, for I receive, verse 23, from the Lord, that which I also deliver to you. Uh, you know, what I heard Jesus tell me, I, I've told you this before. This is what I've told you. This shouldn't be new. You should be doing better than what you're doing. But he said, that which I received from the Lord and which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night on which he betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Um, Twice, he said, here are the elements. You take this bread, it represents my body, and you take this cup, and it it represents uh, the blood. and, And I want you to take it and remember me. It's a memorial. There are certain things that have significance throughout the Bible, and we don't even have to go throughout the Bible in our own daily lives that you just don't want to forget. God didn't want the children of Israel to forget his deliverance, so as Dave said, he had them erect those twelve stones as a monument so that anybody would see that and say, "What's that there for, Dad?" Well, son, that's when uh, that's to commemorate. The day when we crossed over the Jordan and God led us into the promised land and and they get to tell that whole story, it, it was they were stones of remembrance. God wants to be remembered. Jesus died on the cross. He gave his life for us. He left heaven and became poor so that we could go to heaven and become rich. Don't forget that. God doesn't want that to be forgotten. And so why we do what we just did a moment ago is because we are to remember. We cannot afford to forget that. The second thing that the Lord's Supper is, it's a proclamation. Look at what it says in chapter 11 and verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. It's not just a looking back and remembering what Jesus did, but it's also proclamation. What do people think when they see us gather together on the Lord's day and we partake of this memorial? They, We proclaim our faith, our trust, our belief in the death and resurrection of Jesus. When we assemble together and we partake on the first day of the week, we're telling the world we believe in that event and um, he's coming again. And until he comes, we're going to do this in remembrance of what he's done for us. So it's a memorial. It's a remembrance of what Jesus did for us. But it's also a time when we get to proclaim to others, yes, Jesus did this and I believe it and I remember him because of uh, his grace and what he gave to us on that occasion. Uh, it, it needs to be partaken of properly as well. And that gets us to this point, you know, how are we going to do it and what, what's, what what can help me do it. Um, if you look a little further down in the chapter, verses 27 through 30, therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner This is an important... I wouldn't go so far as to say this is more important than any other act of worship. I know that worship is sometimes referred to just by this one one item uh, by way of uh, synecdoche, you know, a figure of speech. Like, on the first day of the week, the disciples came together to break bread. Well, that's not to mean that communion is more important than coming together to pray or coming together to sing We're coming together to hear the Word of God proclaimed. It's a part put for the whole. And and I know that because, you know, is the bread more important than the fruit of the vine? Because it didn't say anything about that, did it? They came together to break bread. Well, that must mean the bread's more important than the fruit of the vine? No. That's just taking a part and putting it to represent the whole. So, you know, it is an important thing. If we come together and fail... To partake of this in a worthily manner, in a way that God wants us to do it. We, we eat judgment to ourselves. We condemn ourselves. We, we become guilty of the body and blood of Jesus. So this is an important thing. We've got to keep our minds from just wandering off and, and, you know, taking these mental vacations and, you know, we, we take a drink and a, and a bite and, and, Next thing we know, oh, it's time to do something else. It's easy to slip into that. But we can't let that happen. And there are consequences if we let it happen. Paul said that there were some in Corinth, because of their abuse, because they were taking it in an unworthy manner, some were weak, sick, and even spiritually dead or dying. Um... So it it has a bearing on your relationship with God. So what can we do? How do we take it? Well, let let me give you four things, five things that I believe will help you. And we'll go through these quickly. Um, The first one is this. If you want to partake of the Lord's Supper properly and, and you're wondering, what can I think about while I'm doing this? How about this? Look backwards. Look backward to the sacrifice of Jesus. Spend some time in reflection. Do this in remembrance of me. Maybe open your Bible and look at Matthew chapter 27 or or John 19 or somewhere and and just start looking back at, remember what they did to him. Remember how he hung on the cross. Remember how they scourged him. Remember how he could have called a legion of angels to come and to protect him, but, but he didn't. Remember how he died while people mocked and made fun of. Remember how hard it must have been for him to have not responded in his own defense. Remember the conversation that he had with the two thieves on the cross. Look back. That'll help to keep us focused. That's what he tells us to do. We're to do this in remembrance of me. So when you take it, maybe helping to keep our minds focused would be to actually look at the text and let it remind us of what took place, what we are remembering but also look forward and look forward to his return first Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 and 18. he does say that we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes and so it's a proclamation what are we proclaiming? It's a proclamation. Well, we're proclaiming that because of our belief in Jesus and our trust in his word, he said he would come again and receive us unto himself, that where he is we may be also. He said that he will come as he left in the clouds and we'll meet him in the air. He said he'll raise the dead and the dead will live again. And the graves will be open and both the righteous and unrighteous will rise up from those graves because of the word and the power and the faithfulness of Jesus. He said there will be a separation, a day of judgment where the saved will be granted heaven and where the wicked will be sentenced to an eternal hell. Remember what He said. Look forward. Um, to the Lord said, so why are we taking this? Because Jesus is coming again. And and I want to be among those that he takes to heaven with him. How can we partake of it? Well, look backward, look forward, look inward. That's what he tells us to do in 2 Corinthians, uh, or this passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as well as, you know, you can look at a, another passage off topic though, but 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, examine yourself. Uh, but he says to let a man examine himself and so let him eat. Um, self-reflection. Am I in the right mind this morning? Am I thinking where I need to be thinking this morning? Is my mind wandering? If it is, get it back in gear here. This is important what we're doing right now. I need to rein in my thoughts and examine myself. Don't, don't let it happen. And then you get to a point and you say, did we do that? I don't even remember. Sometimes we can do that. Paul says, examine yourself. Look inward and examine yourself so that you know that uh, I'm in the right frame of mind to participate in this memorial. What about looking outward? That's something else that we can do. Look backward, look forward, look inward, look outward. Chapter 11, verse 26 Tells us that uh, we're to take this and proclaim his death till he comes. So, you know, we send a message. Not every sermon is preached with words. I've witnessed maybe as many helpful sermons than I've heard preached. Would you not say that to be the case as well? I've seen people live out Jesus... And preach sermons by the way they lived him out and no one said a word. That's what we do in the Lord's Supper. We proclaim uh, that he's coming again. We proclaim his death. We don't, we don't get up and preach a sermon. But to all those who see us, they hear us very plainly and very loudly saying, Jesus died for me and I remember. And then we look upward and give thanks to God. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15. Paul just simply said. You know thanks be to God. For his indescribable gift. We should be so thankful. For what he did. Without the death of Jesus. We are hopeless. Our sins would condemn us. But we have forgiveness. Because of Jesus. And that's what he's called us to remember, as I look at those views with respect to the lord's Supper, there's plenty to keep my mind busy and on task and maybe if it would help you, you could even open your Bible and you know take one of those blank white pages and and write those directions you know backward, forward, upward, inward, and outward and and, and write those down and and let that jog your memory as the lord's Supper is being partaken of each week. I know that it's something people struggle with because they tell me. Tell me what I should think about. Tell me how I stay on task and stay focused. Well, that's my suggestion to you for this morning. And I, I, I hope that you'll take it to heart because losing track and forgetting the significance is unacceptable to God not in light of what took place. And God wants us, well, let me say it this way. Years ago, I think many of you know that when I was just a little boy, three years old, I had an older sister who died. Uh, She was nine years old. I very, very vaguely remember her. I have sketchy memories, and I don't even know if they're real memories or if they're things that I've heard repeated uh, from my parents so many times that they have kind of been incorporated as memories. Um, <clears throat> but every Memorial's Day when I was a child, we would drive two two hours down the river and visit the grave of my sister and would put flowers on the grave and so forth. That meant nothing to me. I was just a kid. And and it just meant, you know, a road trip. And and we'd get out of the car, and I was ready to get out of the car after two hours of driving or riding. And, and I'd get out and just kind of wander around, and look at things, and, you know, just read headstones and so forth. Do you think my mom and dad had a different view than I did? When they were there, they were there for a purpose. It was fresh to them. They understood what had taken place. I didn't. And that's the difference. When it comes to the death of Jesus and remembering His death and commemorating that, do we want to act as little children that are clueless? Or do we want to act as adults who understand what's at stake and what took place? and how meaningful that is to our lives. In 1942, there was a guy by the name of Eddie Rickenbacker. Backer, Bacher, I don't know how you say it. Uh, You'd have to go to Dayton, they could probably tell you. But Eddie Rickenbacker was a World War I ace. Uh, He shot down 26 uh, enemy airplanes. In 1942, he was asked to deliver uh, a message to General MacArthur from the President of the United States, and he got in a B-17 bomber and um, headed to MacArthur. There were some instrumental problems, um, navigation problems that uh, set them off course, and, and eventually they realized that when they realized where they were, they realized they weren't going to be able to make it, and they had to ditch in the Pacific Ocean. Everybody survived the ditching. One man was injured pretty badly and he eventually died, did not survive. But they ditched that plane in the Pacific and they they got out into various lifeboats. They had several of them and they kind of just joined them together and there they were afloat for the next 24 days, almost a month. And uh, news reports were that he was dead. And that's what they were saying on the news. And they searched for him for two weeks. Uh, they decided to search one more week upon the insistence of his wife. She begged them not to quit yet, and they searched one more week, and they eventually found him. But here was their dilemma. They were in a lifeboat, and they had water. Because it would rain from time to time and, and they were able to, to get enough water to survive, but they had no food. They, they were dying of starvation. They were dying of heat, uh, exposure and severe sunburn, um, and, and lack of food. And they were several weeks or a couple of weeks in having nothing to eat. Their strength was failing. And uh, he said, we had actually just met and, and, you know, had this little prayer service. We sang a hymn, we we prayed, and, and we all just kind of laid back in our boats and waited. And he said, to try to keep the sun, I had a hat, and to keep the sun off my face, he said, I put that hat on top of my face. And uh, after a little while, he said, I felt something hit me in the face. And he said... I thought I knew what it was. I didn't move, but I peered out underneath my hat and I saw the guys in the other boats and they were looking at me and, and their eyes were huge. And he said that confirmed to me that a seagull had landed on my head. And he said, uh, he very carefully and very quickly reached up and, and he grabbed that bird. And they divided it up and shared the meat among themselves. And they took the entrails and used that as bait to catch fish. And they were able to catch fish. And they survived that ordeal because of that seagull. That seagull gave its life so that they could live. Rickenbacker died... In 1973, he lived in Florida, but every Friday for the rest of his life, he would make his way to a pier on the Atlantic Ocean, on the, on the ocean side of Florida, and he would take with him a bucket of shrimp, and he would feed the birds, the seagulls. He did that every Friday for the rest of his life, and he did it out of appreciation and out of remembrance for what that one seagull did for him. He said, that bird gave his life so that we could live, and I just want to show appreciation for what was done for us. He viewed it as an act of God. But if you can understand Rickenbacker's appreciation for that bird then surely you can understand the appreciation we ought to have for Jesus. Because Jesus died so that we could live. Jesus died not just so that we could live another year longer, but He died so that we could escape hell and live eternally in heaven. The riches of God are ours because of Jesus. Now tell me why we wouldn't want to meet every week, And partake of the Lord's Supper and to remember Him for what He did for us. If a man can be so grateful that he, he, to a bird that he remembers weekly to, to feed the birds, to show his appreciation, how much more should we not be willing to have our mind engaged, our spirit, our heart engaged as we partake of this memorial feast, a reminder to us of what Jesus did for us. Let's let's remember to never forget. Those who are children of God, those who are in the kingdom of God, have much to be thankful for. And every week we gather together, and it's been going on for the last one hundred and five thousand so or so Sundays. We gather together to remember Jesus, to proclaim to the world what He's done for us. Let's not slip into thinking it's just a holiday. It's a day about grilling out, you know, like we sometimes do with memorials. This is about my eternal salvation, what Jesus did for me. Let's not forget... And maybe some of the things that we shared this morning will help us to remember. If you're not yet a child of God, not yet a part of his kingdom, then you need to obey the gospel and take advantage of the benefit and remember, like the rest of us, what Jesus did for you. If you're here and you haven't been baptized into Christ, we'll assist you in that. And if you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you need to just come back, we'll pray with you if you'll come as we stand together and sing.